0: My sorrow And dead in my sin Lost without hope With no place to begin Your love made a way To let mercy come in When death was arrested My life began Ash was redeemed my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he cancelled my debt and he called me his Criminals' cross Darkness rejoiced As though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose With our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested My life began We are starting a new sermon series this morning, Seven Weeks of Lament at Emmanuel Church through the Book of Lamentations. As we begin, the Book of Lamentations, you might not have heard a sermon on this book before. I actually have not in all my years of uh, growing up in the church. But as you turn there, hopefully I will be answering some questions you may be having about why Lamentations? Well, chapter 1 starts off, but this is the, before we actually read through some of these verses, this is the story behind the book of Lamentations. This is what's going on kind of behind the scenes, if you will, the historical background. There was an entire city decimated. Two years of living behind the battered walls of a city, the Babylonians continually bombarding Food is scarce. Many are dying of hunger and thirst, having no access to the farms outside of the city. Diseases have increased and conditions of life have rapidly decreased. Everyone is losing a loved one. And the city in which God promised to dwell in forever is on fire. And it finally happens, the walls come down. And after two years of siege, the Babylonians ravage Jerusalem destroying the temple of God, stripping its jewels and gold, leaving it in a crumbling heap of stone. The palaces are torn down, the people are slaughtered, and those who are left are exiled out of their land to Babylon. When the scene is done, God's story concerning Israel and Jerusalem seems largely disrupted. We can call this narrative disruption. The story of their past, present, and promised future hope were turned completely upside down. And how do they respond? A member of Israel, presumably Jeremiah, carefully pens one of the highest examples of poetry, carefully crafted poetry in our Bibles, in an effort to shepherd Israel through the spiritual, spiritual practice of lament. What is lament? Lament. And why have I chosen to do a seven-week sermon series on it? After diving deep into the spiritual practice of lament myself, I am convinced that there is not a more important topic for Emmanuel to look at, but not just Emmanuel, but for the whole of the American church and also for our nation. But we need to define terms before we jump ahead. Lament is the honest and truthful exposing of our pain before God. But lament is not despair, for despair has no hope. Without meaning, suffering falls into a nihilistic void of emptiness, and the only choices of response are addictions, denial, anger, violence, and the like. Lament, however, is a purely Christian act, for the very nature of lament admits that the tension of pain in our lives and in our stories remain because we worship a good God who has promised much to us and a good God who is sovereign but still allows for the extraordinary pain and suffering to enter. Lamentations gives us the freedom to, voice to, our, uh, give, to give voice to our pain and suffering and to do so without shame or, or embarrassment or guilt. Because lament is always undergirded with hope. Acting is a long ladder we must climb before our wounds can be whole before God. It is a slow process of grieving, allowing yourself to feel the pain that you need to feel, to expose it before God and others in all of its true colors, and to allow the exposing of the work of healing for all involved as you come to understand the heights and the depths of the love of Jesus Christ. Kathleen O'Connor, in her commentary on Lamentations, has this to say about this small five-chapter book. When people learn I am studying Lamentations, they often wonder if I do not find the book depressing. I answer with the emphatic, no. To me, Lamentations is not depressing. It cannot cause sorrow, hostility, or despair. It cannot evoke emotions readers do not already know. Rather than creating pain, it reveals pain. It is a disturbing book nonetheless because it can lure into the open experiences, memories, and feelings many people prefer to deny. It can draw poison from wounds and expose realities entire societies and individuals dismiss from consciousness because seeing them just might undermine their worlds. I was never taught how to lament. I was raised attending church my entire life, and in 33 years I have, to my knowledge, never heard a single sermon on the topic of lament. I have had pain like anybody else has had, and All of our pain that we've experienced in life is to varying degrees, but I was never equipped to know really what to do with it. I was indirectly trained to a Christianized sidestepping of pain, trained to think that Sunday morning church gatherings were always to be just for encouraging and celebration, leading me to deny pain and to jump as quickly as I possibly can to words of hope strung together with Bible verses like, Uh, You know God works all things together for those he loves. I saw this in action once. A close childhood friend of mine passed away from a drug overdose of heroin. At his funeral, many Christians who used to attend the church we did growing up walked to his father saying words like, we know that God works all things for good and I'm praying for you. You know God has a reason for this. The words were efforts to bypass that ladder of lament and grasp on to resolution immediately, abandoning the needing process of lament. In dramatic fashion, he snapped and loudly said, for all to hear in that funeral parlor, if you will not allow me to suffer right now, then leave. Such Bible verses that they quoted, they're true, but they can be Christianized mechanisms of denial if they are used to avoid lament. Others exist as well in our American culture, including things like consumerism, endless forms of escapism, cheap cheap alcohol and drugs and the like. In all these mechanisms, we try to avoid suffering because our entire society is designed to be one of comfort and ease. There is little place for hard and difficult things in the American psyche. Lament gives voice to human suffering. And oftentimes, it is spoken into the absence of God's voice. Many voices speak throughout the Book of Lamentations in the, fir- in the five poems that are given to us, but one voice is missing at large, which is the voice of God. He never speaks. He never responds to the author. God is silent. And I think it is poetically fitting that God is silent during these five chapters of lament for Jerusalem's destruction, because lament needs time to breathe, time to be spoken aloud. And it needs the healing power of truth and honesty if it is to be aired in prayer and in cry. Giving a voice to those in suffering is one of the most important and crucial pieces to the process of healing, but it also requires that the audience be willing to listen to their voices even as uncomfortable as your words might be, even as difficult as it may be. They need to be heard, and they need you often to be quiet, like the listening but silent God is in the book of Lamentations. The missing piece of lament is but one reason why we have seen this racial tension reach new heights in 2020. When the black community's voice is raised, there is many who have a habit of dismissing what they hear. And simply not listening without the need for cheap and rapid commentary. The black community has tried time and time again to lament real history that was never publicly lamented in our nation of denial. And one crucial step we could do in this process when the black community tries to lament is to learn to listen before we respond. But why this sermon series for Emmanuel Church? Because like many individuals, Families, people, groups, and nations, we have our own story to lament. A lamentation that I am not quite sure has been done in full here. I'm afraid that after the suicide of the previous pastor's wife that steps were taken for grieving but not communally, not corporately or together as a whole family. Emmanuel, we are a family here. We are in this together. And if we are to move forward as a church, this is the first step, ensuring that we have rightly lamented together. There's also a high likelihood that many of you have pain elsewhere. Pain in your family story, pain and depression from COVID and the the restrictions placed in our life and and due to our lack of knowing how to lament have been stuffed down deep in your life. And if you have none um, now to lament over, I guarantee you, as you age and get older, you will. And now is a better time than ever to learn the spiritual practice of lament. One out of every three psalms in our Bibles are lament psalms. Lamentation is, in fact, the most common form of worship in the ancient hymn book. Yet it is an amazing thing to see that the Christian church of modern times has largely avoided it. Like America, we too do not know how to allow for it in our worship space. Lament is going to provide us at Emmanuel two things. Number one, for those of us, for those of you who are here, and a part of this church when this traumatic event took place in 2018. And for the church as a whole, public recognition of this event and space to mourn and to lament together corporately can help Emmanuel to expose its own pain. The crucial idea behind lament, as O'Connor so aptly said, is to remove any poison from the wounds of this church that may remain. If you have healing left to do, Emmanuel, this is our time. Number two, we are all going to enter as a church family training ground for lamentation because suffering will come again and again, and we cannot avoid it. We do not and should not live in lamentation, but by learning to lament, we will be able to aptly face these times when God allows them to approach us. It will create in us spiritual roots that will be able to withstand the storms of difficulty and trauma rather than running away from the winds or pretending that it is sunny outside when the rains and downpour of life is soaking and wounding your soul. After all, lamentation is what enabled Jesus to withstand the torment of the cross the sufferings of the cross, as even he himself cried out to God, O God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he stood before Lazarus' tomb, knowing he was about to raise him, he still allowed himself to be in the middle of the family of Lazarus and to hear their mourning and their grief. And it was said that even our Lord wept as he lamented death if there was room for lamentation in the life of our Lord Jesus, if he was willing to expose the pain and confusion in his own life and give voice to his own suffering, if we are to find depth and further spiritual maturity and grounding here as Emmanuel Church, we must learn this very, if we can call it, ancient Christian practice of lament. And what took place here. After what took place here in Emmanuel, things were difficult. It caused many families to leave this church. Membership has somewhat decreased, and even after COVID, things have gotten smaller, as every church has been flipped upside down after this pandemic. But here we are now. Has God forsaken us? Why would he allow that event to take place here within this church family? Did we sin against God? Was he angry with this church? Why would God be so heavy-handed? and allowing what took place here to occur. Couldn't he have stopped it, and why didn't he? It may feel awkward to talk this way from the pulpit. I admit that it's not an easy thing to stand here to do so. Denise Ackerman, in her essay on faith and truth-telling in Lament, has this to say about the need to be blunt in our pain. She says, Accountability requires awareness. And the truth of the past must be spoken of, because in doing so, lamenting enables individuals and communities, listen, to break with the past without forgetting it. That's what I want here, to be able to break with our past. It is absolutely crucial that we do without forgetting it. We cannot avoid this process. I want us to be able to break with what pain is left in Emmanuel without forgetting or avoiding it. Israel needed time to lament the amazing amount of loss they experienced, and in due time, they began the process of rebuilding. Friends, Emmanuel, we are going to continue to be rebuilt here. If God wills, this church will indeed be rebuilt, just as Jerusalem was. The Bible, God's inspired word, guides us through this process of lament. In obedience, Emmanuel, I humbly ask that you walk with me through this for the next few weeks. Many of you were not here when this took place, and this sermon series will also be for you as well. Because lament is a practice we all must learn. And I consider your presence, especially you, this morning, is no mistake. As Jesus wants you to learn what it means to lament. And I pray that you will join us on this path for a spiritually stronger Emmanuel as you join our church family in this. So here's a bit of a roadmap for our series. We will spend five weeks, one per each chapter in the book of Lamentations. Week six, we're going to have somewhat of a family meeting of sorts where we enable us as a family here on a Sunday morning to lament together and also share vision together as we will share commitments we will make to ensure that we will grow and strengthen in the ways that Emmanuel needs to. We will also take communion together that Sunday, but more to come on what that service will look like. Week seven will be the Easter service we never had this year. It will be six weeks of humbling ourselves before the Lord to be concluded by looking at the empty tomb. Because Jesus was humbled to his death, but God brought him to newness of life. We will sing and we will dance before the Lord as we sing resurrection songs, as we preach and look at the empty tomb, because Emmanuel week seven is going to be a high point for us as a church, an intense celebration that I hope you will not miss. And then we will jump right into the Advent season the week after, prayerfully, with a burden more lifted from the shoulders of our church. And we can then press forward with full hearts in anticipation for what God still has left to do here at Emmanuel. So, with what time we have left this morning, let's look at the first chapter of Lamentations. Chapter one, how Lord. I will not be reading through all the scriptures uh, in each chapter, because it would take us quite a while to do that. We will, we will kind of skip over the various repeated topics that take place in these chapters. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become, she who has, gr- who has been great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has found none to comfort her. All of her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies." Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. It's verses 1 through 3, the word of the Lord. The original title of the book in the Hebrew Bible was simply, How? The first word of the book is a statement as well as a question. How, Lord? The poetic assignment to Judah in Jerusalem is that of a lady in mourning, Lady Zion, a woman who due to all that occurred against Jerusalem has been left with no husband, no family, and no friends. There is none to comfort her. This was Jerusalem as it burned to the ground. Verses four, verse 4 speaks of the arriving days of feasts and celebration, but the roads were empty of celebration and only full of mourning. In verse 7, we, t- we find a time of remembrance. As the fire burns of the city, the pagan enemies of Babylon, still bringing destruction, Lady Zion remembers. She looks upon the city and considers better times, lovely times of flourishing as a nation before God. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. And once again in verse 7, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. Perhaps this is the first step in lament. It is not a sin to look back at how things were or to look forward to how things could have been and to mourn what took place that disrupted both. The scriptures actually guide us to this as we see in Lamentations. As a church, I think we must do this. As individuals and families, if you need to do this, please do. If you have not yet needed to lament like this, maybe this can be the training ground for you when that day comes, because more than likely it will. A second step in learning to lament is visiting three very important spheres of relationships in our life. The first being between us and God, the second being between us and others, and the third being between us and ourselves. Most of the sermons in this series will be revisiting these three spheres in and out continually. Lamentations guides us to deal with all of these three spheres. To begin with, the author of Lamentations constantly seems to place God on trial. Verse 11 through 12 in chapter 1 reads, Look, O Lord, and see, for I, Lady Zion, Jerusalem, am despised. Is it nothing to you and to all who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted. On the day of his fierce anger, difficult words spoken to God. These are not very gracious words, but they are honest words. And once again, we think of our Lord Jesus as he hung on that cross, naked and ashamed, crying out, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was quoting from Psalm 22 which was obviously on his mind as he hung. That psalm continues saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Sometimes we think we have God all figured out until our stories are radically disrupted. Michael Card, the singer-songwriter, who also wrote a modern-day classic book on lament encourage you to read it—describes how cultural Christianity does not have space for Jesus to allow bad things to happen because suddenly it kind of makes him look bad. Churches, says Michael Card, are embarrassed, almost panicky, that there are situations to which they don't have an answer for. We want to present Jesus as the answer man. And we don't want Jesus to look bad. And if that's your theology, Jesus can look very bad at a funeral. The second sphere of relationships is between us and others. Yes, sometimes we are sinned against, and others sin against us. And it brings much grief and trauma. It can bring much grief and trauma to our lives. As we will see, Lady Zion, that is Jerusalem, knows that, Her own sin also contributed to the disaster. Yet God chose to use people who were much more sinful than herself to bring judgment against her. Their sacking of Jerusalem was harsh. Their actions of pillaging and murder and starvation, it was downright evil. And they were indeed sinned against. Let all of their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me. Verse 22 of chapter 1 reads... Many a psalm fancily called the imprecatory psalms are calls for justice from God against those who have sinned against us and caused us much trouble. Suffering of loss can be included in this, suffering that is not due to any of your own faults. This is especially hard to face as suffering in innocence is perhaps the most confusing aspect of, of suffering. The last relationship in which you will close with today is between us and ourselves. Lament is the missing piece for wholeness in our lives, to actually become fully human, truly alive before God. Israel's hard heart against God was finally crushed before him when they saw their precious city on fire. It humbles us to say, did I contribute in any part to my suffering? Is there something I wish I could have done differently? Have I confessed this to the Lord? Is there any part of this that just might be my fault as well? As we close, if I could be direct with you once again, we are not used to this. Sermons that feel this heavy is something we are not accustomed to. I'll be honest, I am not either. It's not going to be common in our church to do this, but I humbly ask for a commitment from you all to walk through this for a season. As your new pastor, I need, I need to ask for your trust when I say that this is going to dig our roots deep as a church, deep into Jesus. It's going to bury stones deep in the road of our future to tread on that will provide us with further unshakable ground If Emmanuel is to be shook up again. What happened here is not going to be the last of challenges for our church or for any church. Therefore, this sermon series is not purely a focus on our past and not purely even healing for the present. But this is training grounds for what we can call human life. In a broken world, hard things will come. In a broken world, difficult things with come. If I can talk to you, I don't have this written down. If you're a man here, you're thinking, I'm really done with talking about feelings. Can we just not do this anymore? You know, men are the worst at this idea of lament, at even talking about these kind of things. Men are the worst. There we go, amen, there we go. Men are the worst, right? There's this like tough guy persona that says, I I ain't doing that. I I look weak in front of people. Can we get over that, right? If that's you sitting here, it over yourself, All right, Go home and tell your wife I'm sorry for being an idiot like that. There we go. Enough. (laughs) As we leave today, I want to pray for you all. I want to pray that all that we heard today will not have fallen on resistant ears but rather have fallen on soft hearts. As we close, there's a shorter sermon by design today. Um, I want to ask the worship team to come up for the closing song. And as they make their way back up, would you bow your heads with me? Lord, help us to not resist lament. Preserve us from feeling unnecessarily crushed, but please keep us from pushing this process away. Teach us this ancient biblical practice, and in your grace, by a special filling of the Holy Spirit. May this season strengthen us as a church. Together grow us, breaching any shallowness in our community and allowing this season of lament to remove any poison from our wounds. Give us grace to remain strong in this season. May we more clearly see the heights and the depths and the widths of your love. For us is shown in Christ Jesus our Lord, who took on the burdens of this world on His own shoulders and has given us the promises of a new heaven and a new earth, where He will one day come back to make all things new. It is the name of Him, our King, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel's high priest the one who is right now wearing the priestly garments, who is encircling the lampstand of Emmanuel Church, listening to this prayer, who has equipped us with the help of the Holy Spirit to say, I am with you, I am here, and I have great things in store for you, church. It is to him that we lift this up and pray. In his name, amen. Amen.